0: We believe
1: that everyone has the power to make an impact through raising capital and helping people achieve financial freedom through real estate. We invite you to join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can amplify
0: our impact together. We know you're going to love this episode. And hey, be sure to stick around to the end of the show because we're going to reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing real estate podcasts on the planet. Ready? Let's go.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Syndication Spotlight, where we talk to uh, folks, regular folks like you who have been successful in some aspect of real estate. So we are here to learn from others and hopefully make money together in real estate today joining me is brian bradley he is from the bradley legal corp and he is going to speak with us today about how to protect those real estate assets so once you have those real estate assets you need to protect them and so we are happy to welcome once again brian bradley thanks for coming on the show
2: oh thank you miranda for having me on and getting the podcast putting it together and everything and it's an important topic um And I'm not anybody's legal guru. Like, I don't know your situations. We're going to be talking about generality. You know, like I have a lot of big awards and stuff like that. So I think like what I'm going to be talking about, you'll want to listen to. And I'm definitely going to blow up a lot of the status quo and the misconceptions that you're hearing out there. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Well, I'm excited to have you. So, uh, first of all, uh, before we dive into that, why don't you give us just a little bit of background on how you ended up in this branch of real estate? So, uh, what kind of led you here? What kind of pushed you into this type of, you know, because a lot of the time when we're talking about real estate, right, we're all talking about like acquire, 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 and and flip, 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 uh, and, you know, invest, invest, invest. But once you've got those assets, you know, you protect them. So, how did you get into this sort of little Niche of the real estate world.
2: That's a, it's a great question, and um, so like background for me. So I was selected to America's Best Attorney 2020, and like Super Lawyer Rising Star 2021, 2015, Top 100 Person in Real Estate. And the way I got into this was I just had too many clients because I was a trial lawyer, top one hundred, top one hundred high stake litigators, and I just had too many clients coming in getting sued and losing everything after the fact, you know, like they didn't do any proper asset protection before it was needed. And that's kind of the key word before preventative planning, or they had like a really bad false sense of security thinking, Oh, I have a family revocable living trust and everything's in there. Like th- that should be fine. It's like wrong. Those don't protect you from lawsuits and creditors. They don't affect you once you die. For probate and death taxes, they don't help you for creditors coming after you for lawsuits, um, or they think their insurance, you know, will cover them for a hundred percent. And I'm sorry to tell people, like, insurance is a business; it's not for big, big issues. Uh, your insurance wants to create legal separation from you, um, or they just think they're going to ride Lady Luck, like, oh, I'm a good landlord, and you know, like, I'm not a shady person, and I've never been sued, and I don't ever plan on it, and. That's not a protection strategy. That's just gambling. And eventually the house wins. And so um, we just, what we do is just clean up, you know, people's liability and risk using different legal systems and procedures that we have and trying to protect people from what we call like a Sue Happy Nirvana. You know, like more than 99% of all the lawsuits in the world. So something like 40 million lawsuits are filed every year. 99% of those are all here in the US. And so the more you have, the bigger targets you have. And so asset protection really is about lifestyle preservation and just how collectible you are. You're like, I can't stop you from being sued. No one's going to be able to stop you from being sued. It's just a matter of do you have the right tools in place when you do get sued to help put you in a position of strength at a negotiating table. And so now we're protecting over, I think, like 5 billion worth of assets now. And um, we just use really strong systems.
1: That's that's really awesome. So, um, before we talk about some of those systems, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit about like uh, what what you know? So, so, you just sort of like kind of veered into this just because people kept asking about it. Is that is that correct? Kind that's of, kind of yeah, what you said. So you, like, just, you just sort of people were coming to you and being like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" And you were just like, "Okay, this is where we're going now."
2: Yeah, because I was a big time trial lawyer and. Um, I kept like doing forty million dollar cases and stuff like that, and I just kept. And I'm an investor on my own. And as I started getting further into investing myself, I was really getting obsessed with asset protection and protecting myself. And um, I just realized there's a better way to do go about this. And I'm seeing too many people losing what they're having and their assets. And most of the people, it's not like hundred, you know, that hundred million worth of assets or real estate. It's your long-term investor, real estate you know, owners who are investing in real estate to self-fund their retirement. And next thing you know, they're getting sued for something that they didn't expect to wipe them out. Um, and these are the clients that I was, I was really having a bleeding heart for. And I realized they need to be having people talk to them before they're mm-hmm. getting sued and setting these systems up to give me a fighting chance beforehand. You know, like, yeah, I can, you know, charge them a lot hourly to represent them in court, but I'd much rather help them preventative planning. And so I started teaming up with a couple big national law firms that are like the the top in Mm -hmm. asset protection. And we just started working well together with me with my trial experience, them with the asset protection um, background. And it just turned into, this is what I like doing 100% of my time investing. And it kind of combines that nuclear cocktail that I like of litigation, trial work, tax law, investments, finances, advanced estate planning, all into one really cool cocktail.
1: Nice. So so then let's go ahead and start talking about those asset protection things. So uh, first of all, uh, before we, we get into strategies that work well, let's go ahead and let's do the buyer beware. Let's, let's go ahead and let people know what kind of scams are out there or what kind of uh, inaccurate information is out there. I mean, I know like, starting at the beginning of the year like llc twitter and llc tiktok were like all over like here are some things you can do and i know that i was cringing every time i saw those posts so i'm sure you were so why don't you go ahead and talk about some of these um these sort of uh popular st- strategy that I'm using air quotes air for quote. you out there who are listening. Uh, but uh, these strategies uh, that are out there that are very suspect. And what are some of the red flags that you need to watch out for when somebody starts talking about these sort of protection schemes?
2: Yeah, I'll start with some of the red flags. Like when you start talking about talking to business associations, not everybody you're going to talk to that does asset protection are actually lawyers. You know like they're just it's like legal zoom type of um, legal entity structuring where they just give you templates. And kind of cram everybody into one size fits all. So, buyer beware on that. Um, You know, like if you're not talking to a lawyer, then most likely when you ask, like, okay, so in your legal opinion, they can't give you a legal opinion. I wouldn't want to work with them because when you want these to hold up when you are getting sued at the end of the day, you know, like you're not setting these things up because you're, you know, hoping and writing Lady Luck. You're setting these things up because, like, hey, there might be a day when I'm actually in court and I need to get this to work as it's intended. And so um, some of this is you know, foundational. If you think of different layers and like if you're from cold weather, like I'm originally from Lake Tahoe and I lived in Michigan, we get lots of snow, it's really cold. You dress in different layers. And so a foundational layer for you for asset protection is an LLC, limited liability company and insurance. That's where you start, but that's not where you end. Um, okay. And what, what I'm seeing with a lot of these misconceptions here that people are really not getting a proper flushed out education on is first they're trying to jurisdiction shop, which means picking the different states because they they're trying to get charging order protection. But what they realize is real estate is just different, plain and simple. Um, when you get sued through real estate, you're gonna get sued through the state laws of where that land that real estate and that assets at. So if you, for example, are a California resident, I'm gonna pick on California a lot just because there's a lot of people in California, a lot of money in California, and they're investing in a bunch of different states. Um, And California is a very asset protection, unfriendly state. So you're a California resident investing in, you know, like Tennessee, and you go and create a a Wyoming or Delaware LLC. That's probably a really bad thing to do because you're just going to pay double maintenance tax and you're not going to get the benefit that you think that you're going to get from that because Wyoming and Delaware, you're not going to be taking those business structure those business favors that you get from those states into protecting real estate because you're not operating a business you're holding right. those using those LLCs as holding companies and so you're not going to be transferring those state laws to a lawsuit that happens when you're Tennessee or Ohio real estate, where that's, that's the state that the injury is coming through. That's the state you're getting sued at. That's the mm. state's personal injuries and tort laws, damage laws. That's going to apply. A judge will look at you and say, why do I care about your Wyoming laws when this is a Tennessee or Ohio lawsuit? And they're just going to laugh your attorney out of court. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is if like you meet like Miranda and myself owned a business together and we structured that business in Delaware or Wyoming and we decided to sue each other, then we can get some benefit out of Wyoming and Delaware. But that's an internal liability off of a business entity, not a real estate asset holding company. And so people need to understand real estate is just different. We're not operating these LLCs as operating companies. It's just holding your real estate. So that's one real big no-no. And I'm going (laughs) to harp on (laughs) on this. (laughs) One more. I'm going to really, you know, another big confusion of this is because as an out-of-state resident, if you're not a resident of Wyoming or Delaware or Nevada or these, you know these those type of states you hear about, you have to register those LLCs in the state that you're a resident of. So you have to register them as a foreign entity doing business in California. Right. Once you do that, you just converted that out-of-state LLC into a California LLC. Just because it's now you're availing it's yourself of those state's rights by legally requiring you to declare it as a foreign entity doing business as once you do that no no one's going to care that it's a Delaware Wyoming LLC
1: yeah so that that's really interesting because like a lot of people don't really think about that and and having to register as a foreign entity or having to uh, do things like that with other states I mean I've always just when I have businesses um, and I I do have three different LLCs, (laughs) not for real estate though, but, uh, but I just go ahead and register in my state of residence. I don't want to mess with, um, extra registration. I don't want to mess with trying to figure out how to find an agent in that state because that's the other thing, right? Is because you have have
2: to have a registered agent and that goes to the whole thing of anonymity, which I was going to blow this whole, let's do it. (laughs) I was like, Oh, well I want anonymity. yeah, And I think people think that you can just ghost a lawsuit. Like, oh, I have an anonymous Wyoming LLC, and even if I get sued, I'm a ghost. I can ne- never have to show up, and I don't ever have to pay. And I'm like, I'm sorry, that is just completely not how the legal system works. You have to do this, you know, thing that you just mentioned is one: have a you know agent of service in those states to even legitimize it. Their sole job is to say, hey, guess what? You just got sued. Here's your legal service of document, which I'm required to give you. Go get a lawyer and show up in the court or have a default judgment entered up against you. At that moment, once you have your service, you have to, a judge through the legal discovery is just going to say, okay, here, declare the assets that you own because you're being sued. We have to know what you have in case there's a max judgment. At that moment, you can do two things. You either lie and say you own nothing or, you know, and commit perjury or you just (laughs) declare or declare your assets, so there's right. no anonymity. Anonymity exists so that someone doesn't have to look you up and say like, oh, hey, Miranda owns this, this, and this, and this is their personal residence. I hate her. I'm going to go egg her house. That's where right. anonymity gives you some personal privacy. But once you're getting sued, anonymity goes completely out the door and you can't just sit there and ghost a lawsuit.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Like, um, And then a lot of people like have, have different ideas of like, uh, you know, talking about, Hiding assets. Uh, but it's no, yeah, <laughs> not like a whole other thing, right?
2: Yeah. Hiding. So the, the number one thing of you know, when you're getting sued and you transfer assets, you have a, a look back period. Each state is a little bit different, like California, 10 years, some states two, on average, like two to five. California's really extreme, 10 years. They're gonna look and say, like, okay, what assets did you transfer out of your name into something? And they're gonna look and say, okay, that answer that asset was transferred. And they're gonna try to pierce that and get their hands back on that through fraudulent transfer arguments. Part of that is saying hindering, you know, hindering assets or tax avoidance. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are going to be the arguments that are going into that. And so hiding assets is against the law. You know, that's where it's like, I do a lot of offshore because of what we do. High end asset protection for ultra rich people, high net worth individuals but we're not hiding assets like we're just protecting the assets but we're not hiding what people have and we're not hindering creditors that they're already being they're already being sued for this is for advanced planning but you know like if you're trying to you know put your assets into LLCs or offshore trusts or offshore LLCs like Nevis LLCs to hide them that's illegal It's not going to work
1: yeah. Uh, thank th- thanks for thanks for talking about some of those red flags. Some of those scams that are out there. You do want to watch out for that. Um, so let's go back to because a lot of people do this, uh, like you were saying beforehand. I mean, after the fact, right? When they're already being sued and try and like scramble to do this. But what you're doing is you're talking about, like you said, preventative. We're talking about uh getting ahead of these things, being prepared. And well, I guess it's not really preventative, because like you said, you can't prevent getting sued, but it's but it's really, you know, preparation. It's really, like you said, laying that foundation, that groundwork, and being ready in the event that you are sued. So what are some of the actual legal and legitimate ways that you can do this asset protection and make sure that your real estate portfolio is less likely to uh, <laughs> to be taken from you.
2: Yeah. And so you just layer it. So it depends on where you are in the scale of your net worth and all of that. And so let, let's just say you're just starting out. You're going to use those LLCs, those foundational layers, LLC and insurance. Let's say you start getting into multiple states. Now you have you know, an LLC in Wyoming, not in Wyoming, but like wherever you're investing in Ohio, Tennessee, you know, like um, Florida, Um, you're going to start, you know, collecting a lot of LLCs. So then you add a second layer called a management company. Those LLCs that hold your real estate will be owned by that limited, a limited partnership. And you want it Mm -hmm. to be a limited partnership, not another LLC. Okay. Because limited partnerships have like a split personality of ownership. They have a general partnership and the minority partnership share. All of your assets and your LLCs will go into the general partnership portion of it. So it makes your taxes and accounting really easy. All the K1s flow directly into it. So you only have one tax filing. And then you can manage through like a really good ledger in your accounting, you know, like one or two bank accounts right there. And as long as you're not commingling assets and you have a good ledger, you should be cleaned up there. Then the third layer, once you hit about, I'd say like 1 million net worth mm-hmm. of ass, you know, unprotected assets, goes into a very strong asset protection trust. Generally, like I like a bridge trust, which I'll break down, or a, a quantum living trust. And that trust owns a limited partnership. All your job is, is you manage the limited partnership, and then you're the beneficiary and creator of the trust. Because that trust, the ownership of a limited, a limited partnership comes through the minority portion share of it. So that trust owns the limited partnership. You're the managing member of the limited partnership, which owns all your LLCs. All those K-1s or those LLCs flow up into it passively directly to you. So it's an easier system to work with as you grow, gives you flexibility. The reason you want to use an asset protection trust, and specifically you know, something that has an offshore component, is because as we see, like the, the legal system here in the US is just getting out of control. <laughs> and and so okay. if you have, what's that? Yeah,
1: yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, yeah, a
2: little bit, a little bit, a little predatory. And so we like, I like using foreign asset protection, Cook Island Trust. They started the offshore asset protection in 19, I think it was like 1984. They were the original ones that created self-settled spendthrift trust. The US followed suit about 10 years later, and then like 17, 20 other states, you know, started creating them on top of that. Um, the problem going purely foreign is it's just overkill for most people. It's really expensive. You're talking like $50,000, 10000 10, generally on, an, on a year to annually maintain it. Um, so that's overkill for most people. The purely domestic portion of it, just like a Nevada asset protection trust, uh, they're really becoming weak. To where if you're a California resident, there's a case, Kilker vs. Steelman, 2012, that came out and said, guess what? You're a California resident, you're not a resident of Nevada, we don't care. So we're going to pierce it and get asset, you know, access mm. to those assets. So, and and more states are following suit with that and saying, You're not a resident of those states. We don't care. So now domestic asset protection trusts have become weaker. Um, they're cheaper to get going, absolutely, but you're creating them for efficiency and effectiveness. And so it's not really effective if they're being pierced. So you want that offshore component, but the best of both worlds is if you can combine them, that's a bridge trust. It's about, it was created about 25 years ago. So it's been around for a while. Um, What it does is it gives you offshore strength of statutory non-recognition saying like, Hey, I don't, we don't recognize your domestic judgment or court orders. We don't care. So you drop domestic compliance. Your trust is now purely foreign when you need it to be. And it's kind of like that big red button or that toolbox that the contractor has. You want to be able to be foreign when you want to be foreign. You just don't want to be there until you absolutely need it. So it's more efficient on costs and maintenance fees.
1: Yeah. So I think that's, uh, I really like how you're talking about this, this layering effect, right? Where you go ahead and start with that LLC. Once you start collecting those LLCs, you add that L. LP, and then you add that trust, and I think um, being able to layer it like that and plan ahead. So, right, the key here, right, is is understanding and understanding this information and planning ahead as you start your real estate investing business, so exactly. that you so that you've got that going, and you don't have to kind of try and retroactively try and
2: uh, do all of this later. It's like it's like in business; yeah. you should be planning for your business structure before you're in business, or you shouldn't go into business. And any good CPA or wealth manager will say. First priority, create an asset protection system, because if you're not protecting the assets and you get sued, then we have nothing to do on the financial side of it because the assets are gone. Right. So any CPA that's worth the dollar will say, all right, put that into an LLC, depending on wherever you're at in the scale, the sliding scale, let's protect those. Then let your CPAs and your wealth managers work their magic. Asset protection is tax neutral. We're not going to be doing anything for your taxes and creating tax havens and stuff like that for you, because then we'll go to jail and lose our license. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go to jail. And then we can probably like hang out and play some like jail time tennis or something. But like, that's not the point of this. Um, And then the other part of it is I get clients probably like a couple a day that call and say, hey, I'm in the middle of trial or litigation, you know, and what can I do to protect this? You're too far down the rabbit hole. You know, like what we would do is create this whole system But exempt the current lawsuit. So you're protected later on down the line for future lawsuits. Uh, If someone's selling you, I don't even care if it's purely foreign, you're too far down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think you, I think it's really good too that you make that distinction between, okay, this is not a tax. Uh, this is not a tax uh, mitigation strategy this is an asset protection strategy i think understanding that difference is also very very huge because you know there are you know there it's like okay well there are some tax efficiencies you can do when you're investing in property and there are some different strategies you can use that are legal uh, but this is actually purely asset protection and this is not about tax uh tax reduction and so I like that you that you point that out and and make that Very clear.
2: And and, yeah. And another one I would I would say like you have to decide on which side of the fence you care about and you want to fall on. Do I want to protect my assets for when something does bad happen, or do I care more about tax mitigation? Mm -hmm. If you care more about just mitigating taxes, go to your CPA. They'll help you out with that. If you want to protect your assets, we'll protect, we'll set up the systems from the liability portion of it, then get you into a proper good. CPA who focuses on real estate investors and high-end high you know earners, and then let them work their magic, you got to kind of decide which end of the fence you're going to fall on. One issue I do see, and it's not the CPA's fault because their sole job is to just maximize taxes. So mm-hmm. they're not thinking about liability, nor should they be giving advice on it because they're not lawyers. But I see a lot of clients coming in 10 years later with like a you know $100 million mm-hmm. real estate portfolio all in an S-corp.
0: Oh my god. And then they want
2: me and then they want me to protect the assets. And there's like they're all like, you know, they'll have tons of real estate stuck in one S-corp. And I can't really move the assets because then if you have an S-corp, there's all the back taxes that they're gonna to have to file. So it's like, well, unless you're willing to cut a $25 million check right now, um, you're kind of stuck. And so then we have to talk to like the CPAs and our wealth management guys and come up with a really good tax mitigation strategy to slowly exit the S-Corp so that mm-hmm. we can protect the assets. Um, so when it comes to real estate, that's why you don't want to use an S-Corp. And even as an asset protection and liability issue, corporations and S-Corps have shares. Shares can be frozen and seized by courts. So that's why you use LLCs for real estate. Real, protecting real estate is different. You can't take real estate. So you have to make sure that if you want to protect it, you got to put it in the correct mechanism and create the proper moats and layers around it and not then overgrow an, you know a system that we can't exit out of because you want to be flexible.
1: Yeah, I like that. That's a really good point. Um, <laughs> that, you know, that choosing that business organization, that business structure is hugely important. And like you said, uh, before you get started, it's a really good idea to know what you're going to do and be uh, ready to go. All right. Um, so that's a lot of really good information that we've got up to this point. Is there anything else that folks need to know about protecting their real estate investments uh, before we sign off? What What is something, uh, is there anything else um, the folks
2: need to know? I would just say bite the bullet and get it done because it's going to be cheaper to start something even at a foundational level than coming to me later on when you have 15 units or 15 properties. Mm. Then you're going to have to go more bridge trust and it's going to be a probably like a $29,000 setup, which you'll want at that point, but it's easier to grow it as you grow and not like what you, say, what you said in the beginning. Most people are just, you know, closing deals, next deal, next deal, growing, return on investments, metrics, market markers. Um, They forget about the business side of things called liability and lawsuits and what can come down. So any business has to start the foundation, business structure and protection. Then you can grow and then you can go full tilt right there. Um, But just do the preventative planning, budget for it right now, and then just get it out of the way.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today, Brian. Uh, Once again, this is Brian Bradley. He uh, is with uh, Bradley Legal Corp. Bradley
2: Legal. Yeah, I'm the senior (laughs) managing partner at Bradley Legal Corp. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so, uh, so yeah, so why don't you tell us where you can, where our folks can find you online?
2: Yeah, you can jump on my website, www.btblegal.com. Dot com. I have it more of a legal resource page for people to just go on. A lot of case law on there for you to browse through. A lot of frequently asked questions and videos or investment global summits that I talk out. You know, with, talk at with presentations just to educate you because there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. So you should just start educating yourself. So when you do talk to people, you're not being led down a rabbit hole that won't work for you.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you again. Once again, Brian Bradley with Bradley Legal Corp. Go ahead, get out there, protect those assets, get that structure set up ahead of time. And thank you all for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight show. And be sure to check back again real soon for another episode where we can talk about, uh, talk to uh, real estate superstars and learn more about how we can all make money together.
0: Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight. If you are a real estate investor or syndicator who would like to be on this podcast, please visit syndicationspotlight.com. And please also
1: join the Real Estate Syndication Spotlight Facebook group so we can connect with you and learn more about you.